My name's Dr. Anna Redmond. You're listening to the On Call Empath podcast. If you've got chronic pain, this is a great episode to listen to. You're listening to the On Call Empath show. Hey, we are back for another episode of the On Call Empath. And this one is very dear to me because I don't know if you, a lot of you guys that follow me know that I was in a chronic state of pain for decades. I couldn't almost walk. Um, just going down the street, walking would give me tons of back pain, neck pain. Um, the thing with pain with me was I noticed that the more I let people tell me what to do, uh, the more I had stress at my jobs, the more I had frustrations, just not taking care of myself and putting myself first, the more this became a problem. I went to doctor after doctor with no results. All I got was, okay, this same thing of, you know, get some imaging, put me on medication, come back in a couple of weeks after I go to physical therapy or some sort of injection or procedure. I've tried everything underneath the sun. I got so frustrated and uh, the pain was just not going away. And I was blaming, okay, maybe it's, it's an all in my head. And that's something we're going to talk about in this next episode with my special guest, Anna, Dr. Anna Redman. She's a trained clinical psychologist who specializes in pain. I actually met her not too long ago. We got into a discussion about chronic pain. You know, um, in this episode, we're going to be taking a deeper dive on, you know, what is chronic pain, how it affects us, how stress affects us and plays a significant role and how it's not talked about in in the medical community. Uh, let's face it, guys, like when you go to your doctor, get ready for that pad and paper to come out like within 10, 15 minutes. Don't expect them to ask you how things are going in your life. What is your how? Uh, what is your work like? What is your stress level like? What are you doing to take care of yourself? These are questions that you need to ask yourself and take care of it on a daily basis. Meaning I do meditation. I do walking every day. I do journaling. I do stretching. I watch my diet. Even with all these things. I was able to reduce the stress on my own rather than taking medication or relying on some sort of, um, t you know, like chiropractic or uh, external manipulation or injections or any of that stuff, which is probably not good for you anyways, taking uh, opioids and all that kind of stuff. I stopped all that. And that's when I knew that there was something going on more than my pain. And if you're listening to this particular episode, maybe you don't have any pain right now, but I can almost tell you when you're depressed or you're anxious or you're repressing your emotions, it will creep up to you eventually. And that's what I did. I kept repressing it and I kept going pedal to the metal on my job, trying to be perfectionist, trying to make everything in my life perfect. And that's when things started to kind of go all over the place and hit and shit hit the fan where I was at a place of no return. Like I couldn't function. I couldn't work. And so I had to, I was freaking out. Like, what do I do with my life? And so I got to a point where I started looking at the source, the trauma dealing with that. And then the daily lifestyle. And then taking care of myself, putting myself first, being able to say no, 
people pleasing, that all has to stop. And once I started to do those things, I kid you not, my pain started to go down. It's think of it like a volume in your car. You got it at a, a 10 and you've tried everything and it's just not going down. But then once you started to do certain things like take care of your body, your diet, going for, you know, walk, self love, you know, being in front of positive people instead of toxic people, the dial started coming down slowly from a nine to a seven to a five. Don't get me wrong. I do have pain now and then, but I don't, I know now it is not something that is uncontrollable. I know that I can control it um, in a certain way, as long as I do the work. What is that work? For me, it's constantly taking a walk. So what is that what does that look like? And my my journey might be different from yours. So if you're listening to this podcast episode, definitely stay tuned until the very end. Um, because Dr. Anna Redman is one of the best and I totally resonated with her when I um when I had a chance to talk to her online. I wanted to make sure that you can hear her raw story on this podcast episode because you guys are never alone. There's always someone that needs to hear this. And again, you don't have to be in pain right now to get something out of it because eventually we all go through pain, physical pain. Now, it may not stay as long in our bodies. It might just kind of be transient and then all of a sudden it's gone and then it comes back. But there's going to be a time where you're going to be in pain, especially as you get older, especially with me. I'm in my mid-40s. I try to take care of myself. I try to eat healthy. I try to um, do the right things. But I'll have my bad days. But I also know that there is a direct correlation between the mind-body. So who I hang around with, if I'm in a toxic workplace or if if somebody's aggravating me at work, Or if I'm in a relationship with somebody who is constantly bringing me down, my flare-ups automatically is like clockwork. How is, I mean, it just, I can't explain that. And that's what we're going to dig into in this episode. So with that said, stay tuned for this episode with Dr. Anna Redman. I'm sure you're going to love this and always keep moving forward. And if you could please subscribe, if you're listening on YouTube, um, and please share this episode and thank you again for all the love and support. There's a link in the bot in the bio if you can please support this so I can bring more guests. We're getting towards 150, over 150 guests in 200 episodes. And I'm going to keep going, guys, because I know that a lot of you guys are telling me that you're getting so much out of the podcast. So with that said, let's go ahead and get started. We are back and I'm super Super excited for my next guest, Anna Redmond. She's a clinical psychologist who specializes in chronic pain. Chronic pain is something that we all go through. And if you don't go through it, you will probably in your life sometime. I've been through it. And we're going to take a deeper dive is what is chronic pain, how to kind of live your life, you know, the mind-body connection mental health, all that, how that relates. And I brought my own expert here who I've been kind of talking with for the last couple of months. And I'm so excited, Anna, for you to be on this podcast is a true honor. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here as well. Absolutely. So 
let's just dive right into it. Um, there's a lot of people that are going through chronic pain, but it's not unheard of. Like they're going through a lot of mental health issues as well. But before we dig in, just to let you guys know, this is not medical advice whatsoever. If you're going through any medical um, issues, any pain, go see a qualified physician. This is just a con- conversation between us on the podcast. But with that said, what got you into psychology and chronic pain? Let's start with that. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I know it's probably not a thing most people are dying to get into. <laughs> um, but I, I personally have always been the person who's curious about the root of why things are happening, especially on a behavioral and emotional level. Um, I've always been a persistent self-improver, striving <clears throat> to be a better person. I've always wanted to understand myself and other people better. And I also enjoy interacting with all kinds of people. Um, and everyone always told me I needed to get into a social field. Um, and then the the last piece is that I always felt like, I felt that I was sensitive emotionally and physically, or I was told that I was sensitive. Um, this is something that took me a long time to like about myself, but uh, I view it now as an incredible strength and positive attribute. I think that there's an important place in the world for highly sensitive people, for empaths. You know, we can be healers. Um, but all of that is to say that it probably didn't surprise most of the people in my life when I decided <laughs> to pursue a degree in psychology. Um, and beyond that, my experiences in early adulthood gave me the idea that my body was sensitive. So at the time, I was often getting headaches. I was always looking for a way to reduce muscle pain. I was always dealing with fatigue. And when you combine this with a curiosity about the mind-body relationship, it really fueled my interest in health psychology and eventually pain psychology. Um, so I, I went to school for, for psychology. I finished graduate school, got my doctorate. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of sought out experiences that would help me develop this expertise uh, in chronic pain. I eventually became board certified in biofeedback. And then up until 2019, I worked at a hospital as the director of an interdisciplinary pain rehabilitation program. There aren't many of these, um, but I was fortunate to be part of one. And alongside a physical and occupational therapist, we developed this program completely from the ground up. And we ran it in this really collaborative and integrated way. And as part of that role, I spent a considerable amount of time just providing education for patients and staff at the hospital on local and national calls and in the community. So at this point, Mm -hmm. I have over a decade of experience just being with and listening Mm -hmm. to individuals suffering from longstanding pain, as well as the Mm -hmm. providers who don't feel fully equipped to manage it and and also the physical impact of stress on our body. Um, and so when, so fast forward to today, a lot's changed in my life over the last five years. And since I had that position, I am a mother to two young children, um, mm-hmm. we moved to California right before COVID, mm-hmm. which was its own, um, adventure. I, I left that hospital for more flexibility, spend more time at home with my family. And when I was right. trying to figure out what to do next, I knew I needed to widen my educational reach. Um, Because this was the part of the job that I really liked. I really liked creating the content, creating the education, and providing it in a way that was digestible and easy for people to understand. And so my mission now is to make education about chronic pain and pain science more accessible and far-reaching than what I could Mm -hmm. accomplish basically in a day's work in a traditional clinical setting. So that's kind of, you know, from start to finish how I got here. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, not only are you an expert, but you already have some 
real world experience with your chronic pain. I know I went through it and it was like the worst, worst thing to go through the medical system. I mean, it meant, you know, doctors have their place, you know, but I've been told like, you know, this is something you got to live with. It's just age, you know, just something you just um, have to figure out to incorporate in your life and maybe not do certain things. And right now I, I went at a point where I just didn't want to believe that. I mean, in my mid forties and I, you know, I'd like to be active and do a lot of things, but when I got back pain and stuff like that, everywhere I was going, it was just medication thrown at me. And that was really all they could do. And physical therapy did not help. It wasn't until I started working on my mind and body. That's when I started to see some improvement. If you can kind of just share your personal experience with the audience, because I know that goes hand in hand. It's, it's definitely important for somebody that not only just talks about it, but also been through it like yourself. Yes. I would love to share my story. And I also want to, before I do that, I just want to highlight three things that are really important in what you shared in your story, which was, you know, when we jump into pain, <clears throat> I jump right into the medical first thing. That's what's introduced to us. And we'll talk about that today. I'm sure too. Um, the language that providers sometimes use around pain can be really fear inducing, especially mm -hmm. at the beginning. And then the last thing is that, you know, I think before a lot of um, treatments for chronic pain really focused on, you know, accepting living your life despite pain, doing what you can, managing, you know, managing day to day. And I think that we've learned, you know, we've learned more about pain science and there are actually um, treatments out there where, you know, everyone's pain is different and their journey is different, but there, it is possible to overcome pain based on some of the new treatments that are out there. It's a, a long, there's no magic wand. It's a long yeah. process, but I think they are, Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're getting closer <laughs> to that. Um, but I, I have had my own experience with chronic pain and I think I need to put a little disclaimer out there that it, it, it I think it's my experience is really just a sliver of what the people that I've encountered have experienced because most of the people that I worked with had pain for well over a decade, sometimes 20 or 30 years. So I, I always feel like I have to kind of add that in there, that mine is really just a small sliver of this. But I do think that my encounter with chronic pain was like a lot of people's experience in some ways. You know, I went similar to you. I went to my primary care doctor. I told her I had neck pain for the past six months that wouldn't go away. She ordered x-rays and MRI. She pulls out the nearest spine model and she's got my images up on her screen. Yeah. And she explains that I have a bulging disc in my neck and exactly what that was. And she postulated that maybe it was this <laughs> repeated whiplash I experienced when I was trying to learn how to snowboard as an adult, <laughs> uh, when, you know, I'm not a very athletic person. Um, maybe it was my posture at work. Maybe it was weak muscles in my body or these faulty movements. And she referred me to a physical therapist, just like you. I also saw several physicians as well. Um, I was I worked as part of a pain team, so I, I actually had kind of connections to try these different things. Um, so I was, you know, kind of lucky in that way. But, you know, and luckily I knew enough about managing chronic pain since I was a trained pain psychologist um, to start implementing some skills on my own. And my personality is that I'll do anything my doctors tell me to do. Like, I believe you, whatever you say, I will do. And I'm a pretty good patient in that way. And my personality also kind of drove me to feel compelled to heal from this. Cause you know, I like to do things. I like to be out and be active in my life. 
Um, and historically, I've always approached things that are challenging with hard work and results reliably follow that, but that didn't work this time. It felt like really nothing was helping. Um, starting with medical appointments and physical therapy made sense to me at the time. Sure. Because, you know, I mean, you know what this is like, you want to learn what it is and how to fix it. Because if it's a mystery, it feels really distressing. But in hindsight, this really wasn't enough. Um, my experience at that point was entering chronic territory, which is its own beast. And I could feel my body becoming more sensitive. I was thinking about my pain all the time and couldn't stop. I was fearing my diagnosis and I was avoiding all of my favorite activities. And so, you know, I think the beginning of my pain experience is really similar to what, a, a you know, what is pretty typical in conventional medicine. But I, I want to stop here with that story just to make two points. And the first point is that this whole scenario about presenting to our doctor's office, where mm -hmm. we get our diagnostic tests, the yeah. diagnosis, the mechanical issues, like what's happening in our body without the acknowledgement of anything else. What's happening here is that the biomedical model is set in place. The physical model is set in place. And we learn that the presence of pain is due to old or ongoing tissue damage and that something is wrong physically which induces a lot of fear. The provider focuses on addressing, you know, the quote, bad disc and the patient experiences sure. this hope that there's a fix that something will make it go away. It's a problem in my body that needs to be fixed. And when you talk to people with chronic pain, just as you described, you know, they've spent years of going to appointments, labs, tests, interventions, sure. procedures, surgery, medicine, physical therapy with disappointing results after many years. And it, and, for a lot of these patients is not for lack of trying. I mean, these are people that are good <laughs> patients too. They'll do anything their doctors tell them to do. They want to feel sure. better. Um, you know, and the funny thing is that I knew better. I was a pain psychologist educating patients and providers all over the hospital that I worked mm -hmm. at, that we should be approaching chronic pain, not only from a biological or biomedical standpoint, because pain after having it for years, isn't just physical, it's multidimensional, and we know it's impacted by a number of biological, psychological, and social factors. And, you know, the second point I want to make about my experience is that, in this kind of scenario, is that the journey of pain can, can present for people at different times in their lives, whether that's, you know, because of an injury, you know, maybe I had a snowboarding injury, I don't know, a particularly stressful phase of adulthood, um, maybe in childhood alongside mm -hmm. adverse or traumatic experiences. And maybe it's a combination of mm -hmm. all of these things. But in hindsight, for me, I think a lot of things contributed to my pain becoming chronic. So the sensitivity I mentioned earlier, a tendency toward, which I see a lot in women that I talk to toward perfectionism and people pleasing. Yes. And these characteristics that I had were really just failing me at this job I was working at when my pain started. So yeah. I worked with some of the most, um, you know, wonderful and talented people um, that I will probably ever encounter. Uh, but I, I also consider this job, I, I also felt that this job that I was sort of toxic professionally and interpersonally. Um, it was also really challenging. Mm -hmm. I was working at a hospital at the peak of the opioid and chronic pain ep epidemics as they were basically colliding. Providers were identifying patients on high dose opioids, weaning them off and then telling them to go see me, the psychologist, which really pissed people off. 
Um, so my energy in this environment, and, and I'm just kind of providing sort of the background of what was happening in my life when chronic pain, when my pain started, because mm -hmm. I was in this environment where I was starting to get tamped down by the daily stressors of this system that I was in. I started hiding who I really was. I was hesitating to share ideas. I was kind of just adapting, adopting this yeah. passive attitude that just wasn't me. And so yeah. just kind of shrinking myself to become, to maintain the status quo. And so I just really a lot of, lost a lot of self-confidence and tenacity. It was all just kind of taking a toll physically and emotionally. On top of that, I got married. I had two babies within 18 months of each other. Um, mm. You know, and then my pain was interfering with everything I wanted to do when I was a young person. And and no one asked me about any of this going on in my life. No, no <clears throat> provider, no doctor asked yeah. me about any of this. That And I was just experiencing burnout to the max. And it showed yeah. up everywhere I looked, my body, my work, my relationships. And, you know, in hindsight, maybe there was an injury, who knows, but there were these other stressors at the time sure. that I think were the roots to my pain going from, you know, acute to chronic. And at the time I couldn't see the link. I thought I was, you know, functioning well and doing yeah. well considering, but we know that the nervous system can only stay turned on for so long before it gets burned out. Sure. And it's at that point where we see a cycle of chronic symptoms kind of set in. So I just wanted to, I mean, those are two very long points to make about my story, but I think, you know, they're just sort of important pieces. No, you make uh, some really good points there. And, and guys, all you guys that are listening, like how much, um, did you notice like your pain popped up out of nowhere, like when you were at your lowest point, or let's say you were very stressed out and all of a sudden you have this little thing in your lower back or your neck or wherever. That's what happened with me. I can honestly say that when I went to the doctor, not one specialist asked me what's going on in my life. And I granted, I know they're not therapists or psychologists or whatnot. They're there to just pinpoint the issue and basically band-aid it but the real truth is if what i needed was to focus on what was going on the stressor my work the toxic environment once i started to address those things and started really looking into that my pain started to go down and it is just amazing how quickly it started to once i started to learn like different things like mindfulness, uh, you know, mental, taking care of my mental health. Speaking of, um, this kind of leads me to the next question is, what do you think is the biggest connection between mind, mental health, uh, and pain, like that whole thing? What, what's like the biggest connection? Yeah, I mean, I think, and just to kind of, um, you know, go back to what you're saying really quickly, that you, you we, nobody would argue that there's like a physical part to pain or sure. to your pain but I think you also it sounds like you also noticed that your pain was impacted by a multitude of factors not just yeah. physical and when you started to address your pain from a more comprehensive perspective you really started to see results and and yes we go to the our doctors and they're there for sort of the physical piece sure. but I, you know, my argument, you know, as we'll probably talk about is that it really doesn't take much to educate a patient it takes five minutes to really tell someone sure. what is chronic pain mm -hmm. and what should I be focusing on? Um, but, you know, in terms of the mind, body, my, mental health, pain relationship, you know, conventional medicine, I think really has this interesting approach to chronic pain, this idea that someone with physical pain should be treated with a medical approach and someone with emotional pain should be treated with a 
psychological approach as if mm-hmm. you know, what I'm talking about here is treating chronic pain as if the mind and body are separate. Mm-hmm. This idea that pain lives only in the body because that's where we feel it and we should treat it biomedically as something purely physical. But science and research actually tells us that and has told us for years that the mind and body are not separate. They are unquestionably connected. Mm-hmm. That pain is sort of is actually this experience that is created by our brain and impacted by a number of factors unique to us. Um, because think about this, Raj, in a, I don't know what your pain issue was, but if you and I both had x-rays and they showed that we both have mild arthritis, for example, but I'm reporting severe pain and mm-hmm. you're reporting no pain at all, what do you think accounts for those differences? It, it's not the, the bones in our back, right? right? We both have mild arthritis. The answer is something that we call the biopsychosocial model. And it views pain as living in the overlap of biological, psychological, and social factors. So biological factors are important. Things like genetics, anatomy, our our body, um, system dysregulation, sleep, and nutrition. Psychological factors are things like emotions, thought patterns, coping behaviors. So we know that things like stress, mood, and emotions are always changing the pain experience because... Mm -hmm. Pain is processed by the limbic system or the emotion center of our brain. Um, And so it's always part of the pain picture. And then coping behaviors, you know, people can cope with pain in an active way or a passive way. Both are totally common responses to pain, but um, certain coping behaviors, particularly avoidance, are really important. And then there are social factors. These are things like culture, um, you know, your culture the way, maybe even the way people talked about pain as you grew up or their expectations of you, current and past social interactions with others, work, our context, our environment, pretty much everything else. And I think that a great metaphor to describe how these biopsychosocial factors impact our pain is to think of it like the volume control on your phone. You know, you can just turn it up or turn it down. And when the volume is low, the nervous system is calm and pain is low. And when the volume is turned up, our pain is higher and the nervous system is more activated. And so this volume control can be turned up or down by these biopsychosocial factors, which are completely unique to the person. So you and I, um, you know, we might have the same x-ray, but we don't have the same, you know, psychology going on. Yeah. Or, or context around us environment. Um, But so, for example, we know that fear, anxiety, and stress can turn up the pain, but we also know that distraction, social activity, anything that improves our mood can turn down the volume on pain. And pain is definitely, you know, can be impacted by factors outside of our control, like genetics Mm -hmm. and anatomy, but it also is impacted far by far more factors within our control. Um, And I think this is the piece that we don't hear in our doctor appointments very much. Exactly, exactly. Those are some wonderful points. Uh, very interesting. And, you know, I, I still have, you know, good and bad days, but it is something that I know that if I don't take care of uh, every day, whether, whether I stretch, meditate, journal, all that, believe it or not, helps more than anything uh, for me, at least that's my experience. So just kind of wrapping up here, um, can you tell us a little bit about what are some barriers um that you've seen for people getting into this critical chronic pain and education. Can you just explain that a little bit? Yes. This is sort of, you know, my thing, this is the most important 
because I think, you know, I, and I want to lead into saying this um, by sharing that chronic pain is actually the leading cause of disability and burden globally. So back pain is number one and other musculoskeletal disorders and neck pain aren't far behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more than 50 million people in the U.S. are estimated to suffer from it and we're spending a ton of money on it. So more than sure. heart heart disease and cancer combined, we're throwing medicines, surgeries, procedures, and all sorts of medical approaches at pain. And despite all of this, we're actually seeing the prevalence of chronic pain go up for all age groups. And this is not just due to it being an aging population. Sure. Um, so one barrier to people getting better is the lack of education. So interestingly, in this evaluation of pain medicine curriculum in medical schools, it was found that only 96% mm. of UK and US medical schools had compulsory, uh, compulsory teaching dedicated to pain medicine. And psychologists aren't really being trained on chronic pain either. Right. So I think it's important to get this critical education out there, both for patients and professionals, because we, we have such mm. a high chance of encountering it both professionally and personally. But the other main barrier, in my opinion, is sort of the way we've talked about pain for many years, framing it and trying to address it as purely biomedical, which is unsophisticated and outdated. Um, When we frame it that way, we aren't taking into consideration the whole person. And and then when people try all of those things and they don't get better, we're left with someone whose pain won't go away. And there's so much stigma attached to that. And that's a really terrible experience for someone um, because pain is is multidimensional and never purely biomedical. And I think the problem in the treatment of chronic pain over the years has occurred when only one of these pieces is getting attention. Mm -hmm which is often that medical piece, because then you're only addressing a third of the problem and your treatment's incomplete. And the other two thirds of the biopsychosocial pain picture, those psychosocial factors can either be often ignored or stigmatized for those patients whose pain won't go away. So the key, I think, (laughs) just little of me, a pain psychologist, (laughs) educate people, you know, I think the key to eliminating the stigma and marginalization that so many chronic pain patients experience is the acknowledgement of the physicians and the first people that patients see for their pain, that all pain is created by the brain based on perceived threat, mm-hmm. biopsychosocial and multidimensional, and it's real. And that just because we're taking into account the mind and the brain, when we talk about pain, mm-hmm. that doesn't make it any less real. And so I think yeah. this is, and will continue to be the most important aspect in the treatment of chronic pain yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And you, um, and that leads me to this final question for you. Because this one really um, hits home because everywhere I went, I felt like they were all pointing to that this pain is in my head. And <clears throat> there was a point where I've I've seen doctors and I've I've told them like I I you know, this is what's been going on for years. Um, do you think it's all in my head? And they would just kind of pause and look at me and it really it really made me feel like maybe it is in my head, but until I started doing the work and, and doing like the stuff outside that I had to take care of a lot of the stress in my life, that's when I really started to see like a difference. But what do you have to say to, to everyone that's listening right now? That's they went to somewhere to get help. And then they kind of got the notion that, maybe this is all in your head. Is that a true statement or is that just something people just say to just kind of blow them off? So that just to give them an answer. 
Right. Well, first of all, Raj and anyone listening, I would say that I'm sorry that this has been your experience, that you've gotten this mm -hmm. message and you're not alone. You know, obviously no one told me that, but I felt that right when things sure. wouldn't be better. Um, and, you know, some people feel like that's what's been told to them in the language of their providers. The second thing I would say, and that I would always say is that I assure you that I believe your pain exists exactly as you describe it and that it impacts your life in many negative ways but then the thing i would end with is that you know i i would always share with them that we now understand that the brain controls our pain just like it co controls everything else about us your pain is very real but the good news is that there's a lot that you your brain and your nervous system can do to reduce pain because the main thing that i want them to understand is that pain is always in the brain and the body pain is always both physical and emotional yeah. and really done people the disservice by not addressing both so i think sometimes you know it's hard to push through the stigma of of seeing a psychologist because i think when people would get referred to me, they sadly, like it felt like they had hit rock bottom. <laughs> you know, I've tried everything and now, you know, the last thing is I'm gonna see the psychologist and that's not how sh it should be set up. Mm -hmm. But so sometimes it's hard to push through the skepticism and the stigma or even get them sitting in the room with me, let alone to explain to someone that even though we feel it in our bodies, pain's produced by the brain and that chronic pain is associated with a whole host of changes in the nervous system from our periphery through the spinal processing of pain signals all the way up to the brain. So, you know, is it in our head? Well, you know, it is in our brain, but sure. no matter, your pain is real. There you have it, guys. You're not just imagining these things. So just keep in mind, if you're feeling pain, you know, definitely look at other alternative med medicine. Uh, that's what I did. And I wasn't stopping for just one doctor's opinion. I went to several different doctors, um, talked to all kinds of different things on meditation, mindfulness, going uh, for walks, exercise, changing my diet, all that has to be in place. And that's when I started to actually start to feel a little bit better. So definitely, if you're having any issues or pain, don't just take one person's word for it. Search for the answers and they're out there. So Dr. Uh, Redmond, I just want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. But before we go, can you please tell uh, the audience out there what you're up to and any where we can find you online as well? Um, so thank you for asking. You know, so you can always follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. I share a lot of free education and a lot of resources there. Um, I've also scheduled a few free webinars over the next few months. And this is where I'm really uh, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm scheduling this ahead of the launch of a digital course that I'll be providing in January. But this webinar is really aimed at sharing what I think is sort of this critical 10 minutes of education that I think every person in chronic pain deserves to know, which is why it's free. Um, it's called Why You Hurt, the three-step shift to understanding your chronic pain. Um, and so you can find the links to my website, my journal, and sign up for this webinar at links.dranaredmond.com. And on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Dr. Anna Redmond. All right, guys, it will all be in the bio. So just go ahead and click, click on them. And um, I'll put also the link to your Instagram and your social media stuff. So 
but it was a true honor to have you on the podcast. Keep up the great work that you're doing and you're always, always welcome back on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. There you go, guys. Always keep moving forward. Stay tuned for the next episode and please share this with anyone that might be experiencing chronic pain. It's, it's no joke. It's, it, it ruled my life for almost a decade and uh, I'm now just kind of getting out of it. So but uh, yeah, definitely share this and please subscribe if you haven't subscribed to this channel. With that said, we are out.